Good morning, church. Incredible award-winning video for our team ministry. It's been a long time coming. Uh, since we're in the spirit of celebrating the body, uh, I also want to um, just put it out there. Next Wednesday is Alika's birthday. So I'm going to put it out there. I know we're not all going to be together to see, so encourage her now. And, uh, you know, yeah. Feel free to shower her with loves and hugs. She loves that. She loves that. And also, I don't know if you guys knew, but last week, Tuesday, was Hannah's birthday, Hannah Aguaya. So our new, uh, new member of the Harlem family. And since we're in the spirit of celebration, he's not going to do it himself. So I'm going to do it for him. You guys know that Amadi and Anika's pregnant? You didn't know? I, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Come on, stand up. So I'll put that at ease. And I know some of y'all were like, you know, Anika's looking like, she looked like she put on a little weight. I don't know if to say it or, you know, that awkward, is she pregnant? Should I, you know, so I, I, I let the cat out the bag for him because I know they're not going to do it themselves. Let's go to God with the word of prayer. Our great and awesome God, we belong to a wonderful kingdom, an amazing kingdom. God, I, I truly believe that we will never fully appreciate what we have in this lifetime. I pray that it will only be I, I, I believe that will only be once we're in heaven and we get to see uh, what we had to look forward to while we were on earth that we'll understand what we had on earth. Uh, we are directly connected to heaven uh, through Christ. And I pray, God, that as we study out uh, what it means to be, uh, to be your church and not just attend church, God, I pray that we'll really reevaluate our convictions uh, as members, God, I pray that we'll appreciate and uh, reevaluate our hearts and our minds towards your, your body, your church. And uh, for those of us who have yet to decide on placing membership, God, I, I pray that they will, will also come to a, a decision uh, as to what they're looking for and what they want to be a part of. And I pray that we can really help in that journey. Uh, let my words be yours. I pray that as we get into your word today, that you'll open our hearts and our minds and that we'll not close them to you. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're joining us for the first time last week, we began this series uh, called Don't Just Go to Church, Be the Church. And um, amen. There's a little logo right there. Uh, you know, it was never Jesus' intention for his church to be something you just attended. Uh, whether it's every Sunday, every holiday, it was never Jesus' intention for you to just attend church. So throughout Scripture, God has given us many analogies and metaphors of his church to, to make sure that we understand what the purpose is. You know, metaphors are like micro parables, so to speak, a phrase or a word that kind of captures an idea that we can relate to. 
And so God uses a number of these metaphors for his church so that we can get it. We can truly understand what it is he's calling us to. He is referred to as a temple, uh, the flock, a lampstand. It's even referred to as the bride of Christ. And last week we looked at it called the ecclesia. But today I want us to look at one of these metaphors, the body, the body of Christ. In Colossians chapter 1 is a picture of our love feast this year. And here we're all a part of the body. The Bible says that we all make up a part of God's body. In Colossians 1 verse 15 it says, He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in all things holds together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Right here, you know, Colossians, Paul is saying some very cool stuff about Jesus. He's saying that he's the firstborn from among the dead, meaning that he was the first to resurrect uh, from death to life. Uh, he has the supremacy over all creation. All things were created through Jesus. And the Bible says for Jesus. And so God use Jesus directly in creation. And it also says that he is the image of the invisible God. All of God's attributes and qualities are seen through Jesus. So if you want to get to know God a little better, spend some time in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at Jesus and how Jesus interacted with people. Uh, what he did and, and what he didn't do. And you'll get an idea of what God is like. The things that upset God and the things that make God happy. You'll see that with Jesus. And it says that Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. Now, this is the Bible's favorite metaphor for the church. It's mentioned extensively in Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, and Colossians. Now, Contrary to popular belief, the head of the church is not the Pope. And it's not your ministers. It's not any person. It's not any group. It's not any council. It's Jesus Christ. And we want that, right? Now, humor me a little bit, all right? Humor me a little bit. I didn't have a lot of time to pull this, you know, pull this together, so. Now, I just want to make a disclaimer. I'm not promoting Halloween. This is just the best I can do the time that I have. All right? So, I want to illustrate for us Colossians 1. All right? Wave to everybody. All right. We're talking about the body. Now, I don't know which part of, your, of the body is your favorite part, but, you know, maybe it's the hand or 
forearm or whatever. I don't know. But the point is, how would this look without a head? Let's see. All right, I'll just put them up here. Now, some people will say, well, I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't need to be a part of a church. The Bible is saying that the body is the church and that Jesus is the head of the body. So how can you have a relationship? Here, can you sit right there for a second? How could you have a relationship with the head and not the body? How weird would this look? I'm close. We're, we're spending time. We're hanging out. Just me and Jesus. I take Jesus with me wherever I go. Me and Jesus. I don't need to go to church. I don't need a church. I got Jesus. That makes no sense whatsoever. In fact, it's outright weird. Right? Or, well, you know, I love going to church. I got some great friends. My relationship with Jesus, mm, not so much. I don't know if I really believe that God came down to earth as a human being and lived, but I love your singing. I love what you guys do for the community. I want to be a part of something like that. Okay. But then you also have to be connected to why we do it, which is Jesus. So you guys get the point that I'm trying to make? Is that you can't have the head and not the body. And you can't have the body and not the head. It, it just looks weird. So we're not going to get into how you make sure you're a part of the whole, the right body and all that. That's a whole other lesson. But the point is, he is the head of the body, the church. We are the body. We make up the body of Christ together. Okay? Now, we can't have one without the other. Biblically, it doesn't make sense. It's not supported anywhere scripturally. If you're a part of the body, you're also connected to the head. Because you have to come through the head to be part of the body. And that's a good thing. Now, you may feel like, man, I don't feel close to Jesus. But if you made Jesus Lord, and you repented of your sins, and you got baptized, and you were added to the body the way Jesus tells us to, then you are connected whether you feel like it or not. There are times my feet don't feel connected to my body. And I need to give them an extra little, you know, care. I got to put them up sometimes, you know. You're on your feet all day, they hurt. They're sore. They don't feel like they're a part of your body, but guess what? They're still a part of my body. Every now and again, one of us will need some special attention because you're hurting. You're sore. But guess what? You're still connected to the body. You're still connected. Sometimes our eyes get us into trouble. Our eyes will wander and, and look at things it shouldn't look at. But you're still connected to the body because there's forgiveness. There's repentance. And so because you're connected to the body, it's all good. You just got to work 
a little harder at staying connected to Jesus. See, we are a part of an amazing, amazing body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, together you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of that body. Each one of you, you may not feel like it. We're not talking about feelings here. We're talking about fact. We're talk, this, is where, this is one of the times where fact matters. Okay? When you're arguing with your wife, facts don't matter. It's the feelings that matter. But we're talking about fact right now. If you are a part of the body, you are a part of the body. And you need to be grateful to God for that. And just like the body has many parts... We can't all be eyes. We can't all be ears, elbows, knees. No matter what part, whether it's the pinky or the kneecap, you are a member of Christ's body, which means that you are indispensable. It means that you are also irreplaceable. We can't replace you if you're no longer a part of the body. We can't get some, you're unique. So we can't replace you if you're no longer a part of the body. You're needed. You are honored. And you belong. That's important for us to remember. In the body of Christ, we find a place to belong. You may not feel like you belong out there in the world. But a part of God's body, you belong. You fit right in. So no matter how insignificant we are in the world's eyes, we are invaluable. We are wanted. We are esteemed members of Christ. Christ is the head and we are the members of his body. He gives us the instructions and as the members of his body, we obey. Stay away from sin, yes sir. Give financially to help my body and the poor, absolutely. Tell people about me, as good as done. See, Jesus is the head. We are the hand and feet. We're the one who takes his message to the rest of the world. When Jesus left this earth, he left his body behind with instructions. Matthew 16, verse 15. Matthew 16, verse 15, it says, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who does not believe will be punished. In verse 20, he says, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. See, these are Jesus' last words before he ascended to heaven. Go and make disciples. Did not say sit around and wait for someone to come to you. He said go. And then he said go everywhere and talk to everyone. So when you think, well, who should I talk to? Everyone is included in everyone. Guess what? You are included in everyone. Someone talked to you about God. Someone told you about Jesus. Whether you listened or not, someone spoke to you about it. And this is what, we, what we're commanded to go and do. He said, baptize and teach them to obey everything. Don't just teach them to obey the things that's easy for you to do. Teach them to obey even the things that's challenging for you. 
So if you're working on something, guess what? God wants you to tell someone about that. Hey, you know what? I struggle with my evangelism, but that doesn't mean that I'm the standard. Let's do this together. Let's work on this together. Hey, I'm a very selfish person. I blow it all the time. But you know what? That does not give us a reason to not teach people to be selfless. We still have to teach everything. It's an ongoing relationship because you are a part of the body. You're a part of the body. How important is this? Well, Jesus says this five times in five different ways in five books in the New Testament. In Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world. Preach the good news to all creation. Luke 24, 47, repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached to all nations. John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Acts 1, verse 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God does not want to leave anyone out. Anyone. That means every nation, all nations, whether you like them or not, God gives everybody a chance to be a part of his body. And I thank God for that. You think evangelism is important to God? Absolutely. As members of his body, it's one of the most important tasks he asks us to perform. You know, there's two things. When you, if you want to put Christianity into a nutshell, it comes down to two simple things. Love God and love others. Love God. Your boss asks you to do more things than that. Your family asks you to do more things than that. Jesus, God, only expects you to do two things. Love him and love others. He's like, I'm not going to make it as complicated as I did for, you know, the Israelites back in the days. I'm going to make it very easy for you guys because I know life is complicated enough. Love me with all your heart, with all, with everything in you, and then love people the same way. Two commands that God has given us. You know, I had to reevaluate my convictions about this. Because when you're around for a long time, you can really start to resent evangelism. When it's preached, you don't even want to hear about it. You tune it out. Oh, here we go again. Evangelism, evangelism, baptize, teach them, obey, Matthew 28. You start to resent it. And so you got to reevaluate, okay, well, why do I resent it? Why do my ears twitch the other way? Why am I so inclined to tune this out? you got to ask yourself that question. And I had to ask myself that question. The truth is, sometimes I really just don't want to. It's uncomfortable. I never really like talking to strangers. I'm a loner by nature. It's an inconvenience to go and talk to people. And, you know, it's outright, you know, just outright asking people to come to church sometimes just doesn't, it doesn't fit in my normal conversation. And I got to prepare myself. You got to get really honest with yourself. 
and reevaluate why were you doing it before and not doing it now? Well, before I thought we were the only one, so it was easy. I thought my church was awesome and, and perfect, and then I realized that it's not. So now I don't know what to tell people. You tell people what God told you. Jesus died for your sins, and if you're grateful, you'll repent of yours. Study the Bible, get baptized. It's never been about the church, where you go, what we do as activities. It's always been about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. Once we get away from that, you're not sharing your faith. You're just, sharing, you're just inviting people to Aaron Davis Hall. It's got to be about sharing what you believe. Why do you do this? Why do you wake up every morning, read your Bible? Why do you even give up the bad habits you did? As hard as it is, what's motivating you? It's Jesus. And you're grateful because of what he did. So if James is leading here or whoever comes in, it doesn't matter because what I'm doing, I'm doing for God anyway. My best friend can leave. I'm not going anywhere because I didn't get into this for them. If my spouse decides to leave, I'm not going anywhere because I didn't get, I didn't get into this for them. I got into this for me and Jesus. When you reevaluate why you're doing what you do, you can get back on track a lot faster. And here's the thing, guys. When we don't speak up, people die. It's as simple as that. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. When the church doesn't function like the body of Christ, people die in their sin. I don't know if you guys remember this story back in 2017. Five teens were uh, filmed and mocked a disabled man as he drowned in Florida. Jamel Dunn, who's 32 years old, drowned in a retention pool on July 9, 2017, as a group of teens reportedly watched and laughed. It was not until three days later that his body was discovered, according to Florida Today. Soon after Dunn's body was recovered, a video surfaced on social media that depicted his final moments, the authorities said. The horrifying video recorded by one of the teens shows Dunn struggling as he screams for help in the water. He started to struggle and screamed, I'm sorry, lost my spot, screamed for help, and they laughed. They didn't call the police, they just laughed the whole time. He was just screaming for someone to help him. I listened to the video. I contemplated playing it, but I thought, no, it's too disturbing. To hear these kids make fun of this man who was literally dying in front of them. And then once you see the video and the guy actually goes below the surface, they say he just died. As if they were watching a cartoon. Could it be that spiritually some of us are ignoring the call of a drowning person? We have lost people all around us. 
People who are drowning spiritually. Some of us are doing nothing to help. You don't hear their, their souls crying out, but the Holy Spirit living in you does. Which is why evangelism is a work of the Holy Spirit. If we have the Holy Spirit and he's prompting you to share with someone, it's because he hears that person's soul crying out for help. He hears that woman's soul crying out for help. Now, they may not look on the outside like they need help. Just like this man. They actually told him not to go into the water. And he went anyway because he was mentally disturbed. The Spirit knows who needs help. When we ignore the Spirit... We're ignoring people's cry for help. Do your work colleagues, neighbors, friends know that you go to church? Do they know that you host a Bible discussion in your home? You know, it's so, so clear that the Bible spells out that the purpose, one of the primary purposes of a professing Christian is reaching out and sharing their faith. I've heard all sorts of excuses because I've made all sorts of excuses. I don't have that kind of outward personality. I look at people who, who are very evangelistic and I'll say, well, you know, that, their personality, they, they just love. That's no excuse. The person who shared his faith with me didn't even want to. Didn't like it. Matter of fact, he was like, I'm just going to talk to one more person and that's it. I was that last person. So why are some of us not reaching out like we're expected to? Not studying the Bible, letting weeks, months, even years go by without helping someone. You know, I believe there are three reasons. There are many reasons, but I just want to tackle three real quickly. One is I don't know enough. Have you ever made that excuse to yourself? Well, what happens, James, if they ask me the meaning of the beast in the book of Revelation? You send them to Raul Harvey. That's what I do. No, I mean, seriously. Well, I'm not a perfect example of Jesus yet, so I'm just waiting. I'm trying to grow. And once I become that person, then I'll say, what? Don't you understand that your imperfection is what makes the gospel attractive? The fact that you don't have it all together is what makes the gospel attract. Who wants to go to church with a perfect person? I don't. I need some jacked up people in my life. I need to know that there are other struggling people where I can talk to and say, hey, bro, how you doing? Man, I, you know, I blew up my wife. I did it on the way over here. Let's pray together. We need that. We're only perfect in Christ. The truth of the matter is nobody is perfect. Nobody knows enough of all that. People come to me with questions. I'm like, that's a good question. I got to go study that out. I have no idea. And I used to, you know, I used to feel ashamed for not knowing all the answers, but then I learned I don't need to know all the answers. I'm not supposed to know all the answers. There are things God will never tell you. Job still doesn't know why he went through the trials he went through. 
He's, and he's waiting eternity for like, so God, are you going to ever tell me like why you did all that back on earth? It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. The early apostles had a solution for that. They simply said to people, come and listen and come and see. Because a lot of the questions you have sometimes are another excuses to not giving your life to God. Now, they had an advantage because they had Jesus preaching to them. But even Jesus was preaching and people were like, uh. His disciples were like, um, Lord, what, what, were you, what did you mean when you said, are you still so tough? I mean, even the disciples didn't get it all the time. But we have the Bible. 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians, I'll read this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I came to you, brothers. I did not have. I did not. Actually, I'll read the scripture. Colossians 3, 23. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. This is the wrong scripture. Don't mind. It's actually supposed to be 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. Why? You got to know your Bible. That's a typo right there. First, it should be 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. When I came to you, this is Paul speaking. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing. Oh, what just happened? Okay, there you go. I was like, what's my, my eyes must playing games with me? As I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Even Paul had those feelings of, I'm not perfect. He's describing arriving in Corinth in Acts 18 to plant the church. He said, I didn't come with superior wisdom. I didn't come as a know-it-all. I could barely speak, and I was terrified to speak to you. But all that was so that you wouldn't rely on me, but on the power of God. Not on my wisdom, but on God's wisdom. And i got to be honest, as a minister, I do not want everybody coming to me with their questions. I would much prefer you go to God, like he said, and he will help you. And then I can kind of help just, mm-hmm, amen, there you go. But the, there's nothing more rewarding than spending time wrestling in the scriptures, seeking it out for yourself, having that aha moment, and having your own faith fed and developed. If, I, if someone's spoon-feeding you everything, you won't grow. I just, we just put a scripture up there. That was miss. It was a typo. Would you have known that that wasn't 1 Corinthians 2? Have you not been in your Bible? This is why you can't just rely on the preacher. Even we make mistakes because we're not perfect. And by the way, that was not deliberate, so you're right. You didn't fail the test. You don't need to be perfect, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to know everything in the Old Testament. You don't need to know everything in the New Testament. You just need to know enough to start a conversation. 
Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And if there's something that really affects, that's, that, that's going to impact someone's salvation, then you're pulling people who, with a little more knowledge and training. But here's the thing. You've got to make sure you're getting trained yourself. Because God has you where he has you for a reason. There are people in your, in your immediate ministry pool that God wants you to reach out to. And if you're just visiting church and you're, you want to learn more about the Bible, what's stopping you? We can do it at your house when nobody else is around. So if you, you, know, you don't want your friends to see you, that's fine. We'll meet you at Starbucks. We'll meet you at the library. It's nice. It's about 100 degrees today. We'll go in the park. We will come to you if you want to know the Bible. If you want to come to the pastor's house, just let me know. Sweep up a little bit. You can come on to the pastor's house. We'll, we'll, we'll make you a nice little, you know, we'll make you some coffee, some tea, some herbal tea or something. But don't let fear keep you from getting your questions answered. What's stopping you? Another thing that I think is we say, I'm afraid. We're just afraid. I'm afraid of people's reactions. I'm afraid that they might be rude to me. I'm afraid of looking silly. That was one of the things that held me back as a young Christian. I cared so much about what people thought of me that it's, it hindered me sharing the good news. I would be frozen in fear. I would be sitting next to someone, and we're the only one in the train car, and I know my stop isn't coming right up, and you get that, talk to him. Talk to him. Just say hi. He's like, oh, well, he's going to think I'm a weirdo. Um, you know, I'm a big black guy. Maybe you think I'm going to rob him. <laughs> you start coming with all sorts of stuff. I don't want to interrupt him. He's reading the newspaper. Oh, he got his headphones on, man. Like, that's a, like that, that, you know. And then you finally say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then, bing, boom, they get up and then they leave. And you just missed the opportunity to help somebody who was potentially drowning spiritually. Because you, we get so caught up in our head. We're so concerned about what others think. You know, I was terrified of what people would think of me. Who knew that God would use me to, to invite celebrities to church? You know, once God, once I got over that and once I decided, you know, this is ridiculous, I need to get past this, God used me to invite Jay-Z to church. He's in a restaurant. He was on a date. This is beyond, before Beyonce. He was in a date, and I went up to him and I said, hey, you know, I wanted to invite you to my church. He gave me this look. And I'm like, all right, I just want to invite you. Sorry to interrupt. And I went back and sat down with my friends. Spike Lee was filming a, a, a movie at the college that I was attending at the time. And he was in a basketball court with his son. And I called him over. I said, hey, Spike, I'd like to invite you to my church. He, I said, what are you doing on Sunday? He said, why? I said, I'd like to invite you to my church. He was like changing diapers. And he turned away and walked off. Heavy D, rest in peace. I met him at Justice at uh, Pup Daddy's restaurant, hanging out with some friends, celebrating their birthday. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's heavy D. I could have got starstruck, but I'm like, yo, this guy needs to go to church. And I gave him, I said, hey, heavy, how you doing? 
Uh, I just want to invite you to my church. Sometimes, you, I don't know what to say, but just, I just want to invite you to my church. He gave me a big hug, said, hey, man, I'm glad I met you. He's dead. But I felt a lot better knowing that at me, at least I gave him an invitation. Curtis Blow, when I was working in Sprint, he walked into the store. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, it's Curtis Blow. But now, this is old school, so you guys don't know. You got to Google, you know, these are the braids. Y'all don't want me spitting some bars up here. I, Rodney knows what I'm talking about. Rodney knows what I'm talking about. I think that's Junior's uncle, too. So, again, he comes. I, I'm, I'm serving him, and, and, you know, I'm like, hey, man, you know, start a conversation. Now, at this point, I'm a little bolder, so I can have a, a regular kind of conversation and figure out how to, you know, it's like double dutch, when to jump in with church. And so, finally, you know, I got an opportunity. I said, hey, man, I would love to invite you to my church. We have a great, diverse church, multicultural. You know, you, you know we love the Bible. We, and he said, yo, man, I'm glad I met you. Thanks for the invitation. Now, here's the thing. None of these guys ever came to church. I would have loved to add that to the story. But that's not the point. The point is that God said to take it everywhere to everyone. Now, had I just been starstruck and thought autograph over invitation, that would have been a blown conversation. And I would have to stand before God and say, well, this is why I didn't invite Jay-Z. This is why I didn't invite Heavy D. This is why you never know if God has you, if you have the opportunity. What will you do? For you, it may not have to be a celebrity. It just be your boss, your supervisor, your professor, your teacher, someone at the gym. How about the guy at the store you go and purchase your groceries? See, fear does not have to cripple us. If God puts you in someone's audience. It's for a reason. It's for a reason. These people need God, just like we do. In Luke 12, this is the right scripture. Luke 12, verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you must fear. Fear him who after killing the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. You know, it really dawned on me. I'm like, what can these guys do to me? What's, what's, what's the worst they could do? Honestly, over 20 years of sharing my faith, the worst interaction I had was probably Spike Lee. Just a harsh, you know, and he, I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think he wasn't interested. But the worst thing I've gotten was like a rejection. You know, no one flogged me. No one stoned me for inviting him to church. No one called the cops on me yet. Thank God. Sometimes we get this backward. We're more afraid of people than we are of God. The Bible tells us that fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. In verse 8 of the same passage, Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before the angels of God. 
I mean, it's kind of cool to think that when we talk to men about Jesus, that Jesus talks to the angels about us. It matters enough that in heaven, Jesus is interrupting whatever he's doing. I can see him having a conversation with the angel Michael, and then he sees Victor sharing. He's like, oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Look at Victor inviting his friend, his, his neighbor to church. Come on. He acknowledging me before man. Talking us up to the angels. I mean, that's how serious this is to God. And then finally, why else do we not share our faith like we should? I think some of us are just too busy. I get it. We had a packed weekend. And it's not even over yet. There's a number of things I got going on today after church. That bed is going to be punished when I get home. I'm going to do a swan dive, and I might not wake up until Tuesday. I know we're busy, but I also know we make time for things that are important to us. We just do. Acts chapter 24, verse 25 Paul gets an opportunity to go before royalty. He tells Felix, and as Paul talks, uh, discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. Paul was making him uncomfortable. He said, whoa, 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 hold up. You're like ruffling some feathers here, Paul. He said, that's enough for now. You can leave. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. He used to love to listen to Paul. We'd have Paul come and talk to him, just like on Sundays. Man, I like to hear that guy preach. But whoa, 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 whoa. Ooh, time out. Did he just talk about self-control? Did he just talk about me not sleeping with my girlfriend anymore? Did he just really go there? You know what? I'll come back when it's a little more convenient. can't tell you how many times I've spoken to people and they're like, hey, you were preaching right to me. I'm like, how would I know that? I didn't know one told me. Hey, I got so-and-so coming to church. Make sure you add this in the points. That doesn't happen. That's not me. That's God speaking to you. Because God knows what's going on. And Felix was feeling uncomfortable. He's like, whoa, 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 hold on. He just didn't take his relationship with God seriously. He just liked to hear good stuff. But when it meant that he actually had to do it, whoa, all right, time out. So my question to, to those of you who have yet to make a decision is, are you too busy to be saved? You know, sometimes with Christians, we can get too busy to do the saving, but then for those of us who are, we make the time. Some of us who need to be saved, who need to come back to God, we're like, oh, I got a lot going on. You know, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. Okay, we all got this and that. But I'm willing to move around my this if you're willing to move around your that so that we can come together and talk about this. We can make it happen if it's important. We make time for things that's important. Yeah, I've spoken to college students about studying the Bible. Oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time, blah, 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 blah. But then I've noticed 
that those same students get a boyfriend or a girlfriend and miraculously out of thin air, they have hours of spare time that appeared in their schedule magically to spend with their boyfriend and girlfriend. See, the point is we make time for what's important. And I think, again, I had to, I had to really ask myself, if I'm too busy to help someone drown in spiritually, then I'm too busy with the wrong things. Sometimes you can be busy with the right things. Going to school, raising a family, working, all these things are right. All these things are good. But do you need all that overtime? Do you have to take all those classes now? Do you have to help all these people? I think sometimes we need to reevaluate our life and say, okay, when's the last time I was involved with helping someone? That's important. And I need to figure out what can I move around in my schedule to make that happen. Sometimes it's on the way. Sometimes it's just on the way. If we're too busy, we, need to, we can deal with that. That's something you can't control. There are things in your life you can't control, right? But then there are some things we can't control. But unless we're honest, we'll never really get unstuck. We are the body of Christ. And that means that we're Jesus' body. When the body is distracted, too busy, and unavailable, people drown. And we can't just go to church. We're called to be the church. Now, I tell you, yesterday, I performed the wedding for this couple, and it had the potential of becoming a disaster. And there were a handful of Christians, Elise Gaia Bang, her husband Tony, they helped prepare the couple for this day. Rodney and Sharon was there to help. Tanya and her husband Stanley was there. Veronica was there. I mean, they got in there, and they, they went in, and they weren't supposed to do what they were doing. They just went in and was the church. They didn't, that wasn't church where they were at. We were at someone's home at a wedding, and you know, but they were the church there. And they went, and they were just themselves, serving doing this, I mean, there were tensions all over the place. And, 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 and we, we just kind of were helping each other stay spiritual. But in the end of the day, it turned out to be a beautiful ceremony. The couple was so grateful. And they said, man, we can't wait to start studying the Bible and make this a part of, we, we are going to make this. And, and, you know, and that's my prayer. You know, it's like, man, we, we, you can't just be a Christian here. You've got to be a Christian wherever you go. That's what I saw yesterday. I saw people who weren't just Christians here, but who were Christians there. You won't always be a perfect example, but that's all right. You just need to be an example. People need help. They need help. That couple needed help, and they were grateful that we were there to help out. It was the most interesting wedding I ever performed in my 20-plus years in the ministry. And at the end of the day, I, I'm grateful to God that it all worked out. And, 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 you know, 
they on their own, their own conviction say, we, we, we want our faith. We want, our, we want help. We need help. And we want to be helped. And I'm like, you know what? We'll help you guys. We'll help you guys. But it was because this group embraced them and made them feel a part of the community before they officially joined the community. And, you know, and I think that's what we got to reevaluate in our minds. I think sometimes we think, well, I'll start loving people and treating them like my brother and sister in Christ after they officially become my brother and sister in Christ. You know, Jesus helped a lot of people before they officially became his brother and sister in Christ. That's why they became his brother and sister in Christ. It's because he made them feel loved before they had the faith. He made them feel loved while they were messed up, while they were uncommitted. He made them feel loved. And they said, you know what? I want to be a part of that. That's what I want to be a part of. And, you know, we, we, we're giving the church the opportunity to do that. You know, we have next Sunday, we have our Bring a Friend Day coming up. Join the mission. You know, we're calling people, we want people to join what we're a part of. There are people right now looking for community. They may not be ready to commit in faith yet, but they're ready to serve. They're ready, they're ready to give. They want the relationships. Let's welcome them into the community. And let's encourage them, bring a friend. You know, you have other friends. Everyone's connected to someone who needs help, who wants help. Let's bring them in. Let's show them what it looks like. Let's show them that we're not just about going to church, but we're about being the church. I love you guys, and to God be the glory.